Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Kenny taught from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17, about how being good to others can passionately point them to Jesus. Have you guys ever thought about this, uh, this thought? What if God called you to be a missionary? Like, what if God today, you're just sitting here and you just came and you thought, I'm just going to go to church. And just you had this burning desire, like you knew for a fact that God was speaking to you this morning and he was sending you somewhere to be a missionary. Did that freak you out? Because that, I'm just be honest with you, that freaked me out. Would you be ready? I don't know if I would be. And just think through the process, like how would that change your life? What would you have to do to, to, to answer that call? I mean, would you have to sell your car? Would you have to sell your house? Would you have to... Go buy a car, buy a house somewhere, figure out where he wants you to go, figure out the logistics, get trained up. Any of you guys feel like ready, you're all trained up and ready to go if, you're, if God sent you to some you know, remote place of the world to, to bring the gospel? What does it even mean to be a missionary? What, is, what does it look like to be a missionary? To go somewhere and have the purpose of your life be centered around really bringing the gospel to, to people. Or think about this. What if somebody from another place in the world right now is at church and God called them to come to Lomita and be a missionary here? What if they, they, they knew you and they, they Facebook messaged you and they said, hey, God is calling me from Zimbabwe to come to Lomita and be a missionary like, what's it like there? What would, I, what would it look like for me to be a missionary? Like, how, how would I go about that? Well, here's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at this, this morning that that should be more relevant than you would think. Because God might not, not be sending us somewhere else in the world. He might, but he might not be sending us somewhere else in the world. But God is sending us right where we're at. And Peter is going to teach us this morning that he wants us to be missionaries in our lives. He wants us to see our time here, however long or short it is on this planet, as, a, as purposeful, as missionaries. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I'd like to encourage you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. And that's where we're going to be at. And as you guys are... Are, are turning there. I just want to kind of review a little bit. We're in this series called Passionately Pointing People to Jesus. And then week one, we looked in Romans 10, a letter that Paul wrote. And he says, how can people know the gospel and respond to the gospel if no one tells them? And then he says, and, and, if, and how can they tell them if they haven't been sent? And then he kind of turns it and reminds us, well, you guys, we've all been sent. We're people who have been sent. And the idea of this passage I believe that Paul is saying in, in, in his Romans 10 is not, not prepare yourself by being good salesmen. Like you don't have to be a good salesman to be a good evangelist. But by believing in the product. That's right. But by believing that there's power in the gospel, that the gospel is powerful. And then Brittany taught us in week two of this series that people are looking at your life and they're going to see the hope that you have. If you have hope in Jesus, if you go through storms in life and people can see that you have hope in Jesus that helps you through those 
times of life, people are actually going to see Jesus through that. And it's going to passionately point people to Jesus. So much that Peter goes, be ready to give an answer when they ask about this Jesus who gives you hope. And then last week, Jesus taught us that our love for each other, that people will know that we're disciples by our love for each other. And then this week, we want to look at the fact that we're going to see Peter in Peter in First Peter 2 call us missionaries and then give us a little bit of insight of what that looks like to live ordinary lives, like the life you normally live, but with gospel intentionality as missionaries. So 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. In other words, they're to bring justice. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, Fear God, honor the emperor. A lot there, right? Well, the first thing that we're going to see that Peter is teaching us, he's teaching us that his call is for us to live in the world, but to not be of the world. Have you guys ever, ever seen that sticker, right? You might have been driving by someone and they have the, he is greater than I sticker, and then they have the not of this world sticker, right? So this is a, an idea that Christians have talked about for a long time, that what it looks like to live in the world but not of the world. And Peter brings that up as he goes, hey, friends first. And he goes, live as strangers and exiles. Well, some of you guys, that's going to be easy for you because you're super strange, right? <laughs> I'm like that. Like, I, I relate to this. He's like, hey, strangers. Like, I could get that. I don't always fit in everywhere. And exiles, what he's really saying here, when he says strangers and exiles, strangers and exiles are people that you're, you're here, but you're not from here. You ever visited somewhere and you're like very, you just know, you, you just know like you, you're standing out as a tourist? You're a tourist. You're a stranger and an exile. You're here, but you're not from here. And literally what, what Peter is getting at is the fact that as Christians, we live here on this earth like we're tourists. Like we're strangers and exiles. No, scratch that. That's not accurate. What he's saying is, you're, you're living here like you're missionaries. You're not from here, but you're placed here with a, with, a, with a profound purpose. To bring the gospel wherever you're at. You are missionaries. When he says, live as strangers and exiles, I think you could, in our context, the best way to understand what he's saying is, he's saying, live as if you're a missionary right now here, sent here to your own town." In your own life, you're missionaries. And he gives us a little bit like, okay, if if you're going to be a missionary, he gives us some insight how to go about that. Like if you were going to be a missionary, that's the question I asked you. Like what would you do to prepare yourself 
He gives you some insight of what it looks like to, to purposefully live as missionaries. And the first thing he says is, if you're going to be a missionary, then don't eat the world's junk food. That's exactly what he says, right? He goes, he goes don't eat the world's junk food. He goes, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. If you have your paper Bible, you can circle, underline, or highlight in verse 11, sinful desires, and then your margins, so the next time you're reading through it, you remember this, right? Soul junk food. That's what he's talking about. And Peter's very familiar as a Jewish man with the biblical narrative, and so we need to understand kind of the context of what he's probably getting at here. In the biblical narrative... God has always had it as his purpose that God's people would shine a light and reveal who God is to the nations. They didn't do a very good job of that in the Old Testament, but that was their mission statement. That was their purpose. When God comes to Abraham, Abraham is the patriarch that kind of God uses to start the whole Israelite movement, the people of God. He comes to Abraham first. And do you remember what he says to him? He goes, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and, and, and your genealogy. I'm going to bless you with a son, and he's going to have sons, and he's going to have sons and daughters and sons and daughters, and you're going to become this huge nation. And he goes, and I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the nations. They're supposed to reflect who God is to all the nations. They're supposed to, people are supposed to see the goodness of God in their life, in their, in their, in their lives, and they're supposed to, it's supposed to point them to Jesus. supposed to passionately point them to Jesus. And they blow it and they think they're entitled. They're the ones. They, they get this us versus them mentality. But God has always desired to, to bless his people in order to be a blessing. And too often the Israelites enter into a land. They enter into the promised land. They enter wherever God leads them. And they get intoxicated by all the sin of the land that they go to. And it's called idolatry in the Bible. Right? They go into the land and they get corrupt by the other people's ways and practices. And so Peter goes, like, if you're going to be a missionary, then don't get sucked into that. Don't get sucked into idolatry. Live here and abstain from the simple desires that wage war against your soul. Just like the Israelites went into a land and they, they let their simple desires attract them towards Baal worship and all of these different things. And they got corrupted and thrown off and then they were no longer missionaries, were they? Now they were a mess rather than being missionaries. So he starts off saying, don't make that mistake. And then he says, because your goal should be to represent Christ around these not yet followers. That's what he says. He says, live such good lives amongst the Gentiles. If you have your paper Bible, circle, underline, or highlight Gentiles. To them, it meant something non-Jewish. To us, it just means not yet believers. We live amongst the not yet believers in our life in such a way that they can see our lives and, and they'll give glory to God on the day he visits, they said. We're to influence them, not the other way around. What Peter is basically saying is, and kids, you can think through this. What's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? The thermostat is the thing, kids, on the wall, like that thermostat right there. If I go over to the thermostat, I set it, and it controls what the temperature in the room is. 
Do you know how a thermometer works? Not a digital thermometer so much. When we have our iPhone, a thermometer basically just acclimates to whatever the temperature is in the room, and then you can read the thermometer, and it tells you what the temperature is in the room because it's become the temperature of the room. Peter's like, don't be thermometers in the culture and just acclimate in and fit in with everyone else. Be thermometers set in the temperature. Be thermostats setting the temperature. Thank you, Sam. See, you can't hear. I was just testing you. That whole thing was a setup. And he says, he says, how do you do this? Is there a, does he say something profound? Not really. He goes, be honorable amongst them. How simple is that, right? And guess what? He doesn't give this long list of rules, what to do and what not to do. He just drops this like, be honorable in your lives. He assumes that you're going to know what that will look like. He's going to assume that we have the common sense to know what it looks like to be a good human. To be good people. He goes, live, be honorable amongst the not yet believers. That's your mission as a missionary. Live amongst the people and, and do it in such a way where you, it's simple. Be honorable. And then he gets to the heart of what it looks like to be authentic. To be authentic Christians is more than just knowing what to do and what not to do. It's a heart issue. It's, it's why you do what you do and don't do what you do. And so he gets to the heart of what it looks like to be authentic with the, with the why question. Why are you going to live honorable lives amongst these not yet believers? What's the point? What's the ultimate purpose? And he tells you in verse 12, he goes, that they will observe your good works and will glorify God. Peter is teaching us to be missionaries right where we're at. And to live our lives, live honorably, be good people, be kind, be nice, be generous, not be jealous, not be a backstabber, not be a gossip. All those things we could, we could unpack what it looks like to be good or to, or, or to be a jerk or to be, to be honorable. Right? We know. But he's like, but you need to know where it's coming from and why you're doing it. You need to have a motivation that's authentic because that's what's going to, that's what people are going to see. They're going to see the why. You ever had somebody who's, who's, who's a snake? A snake will come in and be all nice, right? I mean, girls, ladies. You ever had a guy be like this, right? They come in, they date. At first, they're, they're real nice and they're real, they're real suave. And then, and then at one moment... The true identity is exposed. What they're really about. Maybe a business partner. Some people will be nice because they're trying to manipulate you. But he's like, your why needs to be, your why needs to be to live ordinary lives with gospel intentionality because you are burning and you want them to see Jesus in your life. You want them to know this Jesus who can who can, who can fix their life like God is fixing your life. So Peter is teaching us to live as missionaries in our everyday lives. And the purpose of us being honorable is that they would see our good behavior, our honorableness, and that they would give glory to God on the day of his visitation. And then he says something interesting. It's an interesting three things, right? He goes, he goes uh, uh, don't... Don't get caught up in sin. 
Live honorable amongst people. And then he goes, and respect those in authority. Three interesting real-life scenarios. He goes, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. That's not very punk rock, is it? I submit to authority. Anybody ever heard a, a cool punk rock song? It was called Submit to Authority. Right? It's, not, it's not very punk rock, but, but here's the thing. He's like, obey, obey the boss. Unless he commands you to sin, obey your boss. Kids, you know how to be a missionary on this planet? Obey your parents. That's what he's saying. It's not like super complex. You know, if, if you're a part of a team, if you're, if you're in... If you're, if you're in a workplace or, or, or if you're at school on a project, be a team player. In your neighborhood, be a team player, right? Don't be the complainer in the neighborhood. Be the one who's bringing solutions, not, not being part of the problem. Be a good employee if you're an employee. Be a good boss if you're, if you're a boss. But why? What's the proper motivation for this? He says, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. He keeps bringing back this why all the way through this. He's like, he's like do it because of the Lord. You might be a good employee because you think being a good employee will, will I'll, I'll get recognized and then that's how I get a promotion. That's not a bad thing. Or you might be as a boss. You may, I want to be a good boss because... If I'm a good boss, I can get the most out of my workers, and that affects the bottom line. But he's like, as Christians, as missionaries, I want you to think a little bit different than that. It's not like you, you shouldn't be a good, you, you will reap those rewards. If you're a good boss, you will get the best out of your, your people, and that will produce some fruit. But we should have a desire beyond that, where it's just because of the Lord. And you know what? This becomes profound because... What do you do when you're an employee and then you're in a hard situation? What if, you, what if you're an employee and you're getting, and, and, you, and you feel like you're getting wrong? You feel like there is nowhere to go for me in this place. Well, do you stop being a good employee because there's no longer any motivation? He's like, not if your motivation is bigger than that. Not if your motivation is because of the Lord. Work as unto the Lord. And he's like, this is what it looks like to be a missionary. Because people can see the authenticity in this. This is authentic Christianity. It's where it comes from. It's are you doing what you do because of the Lord? Because people can see the Lord in that. People can see the source. They can go, there must be a source beyond this world that, that makes this guy or this gal different than me. And that's what Peter's getting at. Do it because you're a missionary. If you have your paper Bible, you can circle, underline, or highlight God's will in, in, in uh, verse 15. And then in the margins, write, be a good human. Have you guys ever wondered this? What's God's will for my life? When I was like 18 and 19, everybody was asking me, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I felt all this pressure, like I got to come up with something cool, something respectable, right? I didn't have the guts to go like, I don't know. But I believe God has a plan for my life. I want to do that. No, I had to be like, you know, I'm going to be a businessman or I'm going to be this or that. I, I felt like I had to have an answer, right? What's God's will for my life? Peter drops you a little, a truth bomb. 
be a good human. Guys, when your wife comes home from the women's retreat, if she's at the women's retreat, pick up your dirty underwear and throw it in the hamper. That's God's will for your life. (laughs) On Monday, on Monday, he show up for work. (laughs) Get there on time or early. That's God's will for your life. Be a good human. That's what Peter's saying. He's like, be the type of person that people look and go like, that's, that's how you do life. That's honorable. Be a good human. That's God's will for your life. But isn't there something like, isn't there a rocket involved, right? Isn't there a rocket? Isn't there like something big? Isn't there like a big moment of my life that, that's defined as God's will? No, it's the moment by moment faithfulness as a missionary in ordinary circumstances. And ordinary, I mean, maybe, maybe you're like, I don't want to live an ordinary life. Fine. When you go skydiving this week and you jump out of a plane, do it with gospel intentionality. Be a good human. Don't cut people off in line. Right? Tip the guy well. Whatever that looks like. He's saying, not emphasis on the ordinary, emphasis on the gospel intentionality. And this is your mission on earth. And the recap from this section is so simple. He's like, one, avoid sin when no one's looking. How do you be a missionary? Well, avoid sin when no one's looking. Don't use that excuse. Oh, well, no one sees it, so it's not hurting anybody. No, your sin affects you. It pollutes your soul, and then people can see that. It affects who you are. What you do in the, in the secret of your house affects the whole life. It affects your soul, is what he's saying. It's going to affect who you are and what people see. And then he says, be honorable when people are looking. And he says, live like a missionary in your everyday life. And number two in your notes in the section is this. Live now like they'll respect then. When I used to be a youth pastor, I used to, I used to do training with, your, with, with the, my youth workers. And there's always this tension. If you're a youth worker and you take a bunch of junior high kids to camp, you got eight junior high boys in camp, you know, they, there's this pressure to be cool. Right? You get there and you're like, well, will the kids like me? Or will, will I be out day? Like, am I no longer cool? Maybe I never was cool, right? Maybe I look back in junior high and, and I, I didn't have a very good junior high experience. You go in there and, you're, and you have this insecurity and they will test that right and they're trying to like i got an idea let's duct tape all the mattresses to the wall and do wrestlemania in here let's light our toots on fire right that's junior hires that's the girls boys do that too (laughs) and so i see you always give this advice act around them now while they're in junior high like they're going to respect when they're 30 and they're gonna, one day they're going to be 30. And now my, a lot of my junior high kids are now 30. Right? And so this, is, this might be time tested. I don't know how well of a job I did, but here's the thing. When they get to be 30, they're going to look back at that junior high camp. And are they going to be like, I can't believe that that guy let me do that. What an immature Christian, right? But they thought you were cool in the moment. But when they're 30, well, will they? And that's what Peter's saying. It's interesting. He goes, live such good lives among the not yet believers of Gentiles so that, so that they will glorify God on the day that he visits. Now that's either going to be the day that he visits them personally and they become a Christian. Or it's going to be 
The day he rips open the skies and comes back, because he is coming back, and every knee will bow. But he's saying, live your life now like they're going to respect then. Not everybody's going to respect your Christianity now, are they? They're going to think it's weird. They're going to think it's off. They're going to think it's whatever it is. They're going to, they're, they're, they might even think it's wrong. Man, you're messed up. You're the problem in this world. You're religious right-wing problem, right? And yet live now in an honorable way to when the truth is revealed to them, they're going to look back and go, oh, oh, I respect that now. I see that now. And they'll give glory to God. This is what Peter says. He says, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Let me ask you a profound question and make me think about this for a moment. Should we care what other people think? I mean, I've heard plenty of people saying, I've said to myself, man, don't worry about what other people think. Right? You said to your kids sometimes, right? They're, in, they're on the playground, they come home with some problems. Don't worry about what those other kids think. You ever said that? Well, that's good advice. But is there a time when we should care what people think? Yes. So there is a, there's a time that we should care what people think, and there's a time when we shouldn't worry so much about what other people think. And how do we, how do we weigh that? Sometimes you should care what people think. Sometimes it's unhealthy to care too much what people think. When and why should we care what people think? Maybe think about that. When is it good to care what people think? And when does it become unhealthy? We should care what people think with gospel intentionality. We should care what people think when it affects the gospel. But not for selfish reasons. Sometimes when you care too much what people think, it will cause you to do things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't and shouldn't do. Right? It's called peer pressure. I used to do that all the time when I was a kid and also when I'm an adult. So I work for the fire department and most of the time people ask me, like, what is it like to be a fireman? Most of the time it's like being a junior higher at camp. Very immature, and when their wives aren't around or whatever, you know, then and they come, it's like they're they're complete. matter of fact. When and when Christmas or Thanksgiving and all the firemen are there and all their families come, you know what we do most of the time? We look around at each other and we go, "Who are you? <laughs> you are so different when your family's here than when they're not, right?" It's like junior high camp. And the thing is, is that we should care. What people think about Jesus. And somehow our actions and our lives represent him. And it will even affect what they think about Jesus. And that's a scary thought, isn't it? But right now, I mean, just think about it. Like, If you're a missionary to some town that you've never heard of. And you went there and you were proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is Lord and Savior, and you're presenting the good news, and then you're a jerk in that town. And people are like, man, this guy's a real jerk. He's got a bad attitude, cuts, 
cuts in line at the at the coffee place. Yeah, you know, he stiffed me on a tip when he was eating at my restaurant. And then on Sunday, you're like, but Jesus is real, right? You think anybody's listening to you? No, because your behavior in the town affects your missionary ability. It affects the message. So we should care what people think about Jesus. And we should understand that what people think about us affects our message. The deeper way of looking at this in the Bible is this. The difference is found in the difference between fearing God and fearing man. The Bible will talk about that a lot. And, and Peter talks about this in this passage. There's a difference between fearing God and fearing man. When I was a, when I was a teenager, I feared man. And it affected how I behaved. It affected my life radically. I feared man so much when I was a teenager that the most important thing in the world was my reputation, how people treated me, how people viewed me. And so I became, in high school, exactly what I thought they wanted me to be. I thought, if I, be, I became what I thought would, would be accepted. I became what I thought would, would be valued in that culture, in that youth culture. And guess what? When I look back, I don't like what I became. As opposed to fearing man, fearing man would be the opposite of that. Caring primarily what God thinks. And becoming what you believe God wants you to become. Being who you believe God wants you to be. In the culture, people can see what's influencing you, can't they? People can see what you're you're all about after a while. People can see beyond the curtain. People will respect you if you fear God and live accordingly. If you care most about what he thinks, people will respect that. To fear God is to care what he thinks most. You can circle, underline, or highlight In verse 16, something interesting, it might stop you in your tracks, the language that he uses is a language that's that's hard to hear in our day. But in verse 16, he goes, as God's slaves. When he says God's slaves, circle, underline, or highlight that. And in your margin, just write, as God's missionaries. Because that's really what he's getting at. See, you can be a slave to what other people think, can't you? You ever been a slave to what other people think? Yep. It, it'll, it'll, it's like slavery. You don't, you're not free to be who God's called you to be because you're too worried about what your friends think. You can be a slave to what other people think. You can be a slave to this world. He also says you can be a slave to your simple desires. You could be a slave to your simple desires where it's like you're just, you have these urges and you, you have to have that. And it or you could be a slave to the Lord. You could be his missionary. You could be his. And that's what Peter's talking about. And then Peter has a step back from our day-to-day grind, our life, and reminds us of the big picture. See, when you're living your life, 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yay, it's Friday. Saturday, Sunday. Oh, no, Monday. I got to go back to work, right? Then Tuesday, Wednesday. When you're living your normal life in your normal rhythm, sometimes you get so caught up in it that you forget the big picture. So he's like, take a step back for a moment and think about what life is and have a new, a new perspective, a Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview, he says, is this, that one day every ear will be open, every eye will be open to the truth, every knee will bow and say, Jesus is Lord. Everyone will see Jesus as who Jesus is. Everyone. No one will be fooled for eternity. Everyone's going to see the truth. And he goes, I want you to live now. Like on that day, they're going to respect. That's what it looks like to fear the Lord. Do now what everyone is going to do then. Bow your knee to Jesus. Say no to sin. Say yes to Jesus. On the day he visits, the truth will be exposed. Live now like they will respect then. And then in the last section, he says, and don't waste your Christian freedom. Don't waste your Christian freedom. And we'll have the worship team come back up. And he says in verse 16, he goes, submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but as God's slaves or God's missionaries, you might say. As people who are living with the purpose of pleasing God and spreading his gospel. Like I said, you can be a slave to your sinful appetite, can't you? You can be a slave to sin. You can be a slave to what other people think. And Peter is calling us to be a slave. Be a slave to the good news mission. Make that your purpose. Make that your job description. Make that your mission. Make that your purpose in life. Make that your desire. And then live ordinary lives. Live your life accordingly. I want to give a couple of final questions for reflection. In your notes, there's some questions that this week you can kind of ponder. You can start looking at them now. Um, if you're in a community group, and we, all, we, we recommend for everybody to be in a community group because that's where we can kind of get together after a few days and, and talk about the sermon again and, and its application. So there's some questions in there for you. But here's some questions as we prepare for worship. I want you to really think about this. Not a question that you have to answer out loud. This is for you to reflect on and really just let it stir in your heart. What would it look like to live like you were a missionary this week? What would it look like to live like you were a missionary this week? Would your goals change? Would your goals for this week change if you were a missionary and not whatever else you were focused on this week? Would you worry about the same things that you were worried about? Would you spend your money the same this week if you were a missionary? Would you spend your time the same this week if you were a missionary? And then I want to ask you one more question. What would it look like to live your life as an act of worship? See, worship is more than just singing. Worship is anything that you do in response 
to God's word. It's giving him worship. When we sing, because of who he is, we're giving him worship. That's why we call it worship. It's musical worship. It's one way to do that. And it's an important way to do it. Because on Sunday, I don't know about you, but I need to get refocused in my heart regularly. More than just once a week. I get pulled in every direction. My attitude goes sour very fast. I want to blame it on things like, oh, I'm hangry right now. But I just ate a Snickers and I'm still that way. <laughs> There's something deeper going on. And I just need to, I need, to, I need to be refocused on the season. When I sing, when I choose to sing, even when I don't feel like it. Because it, it somehow God begins to stir in that and, and refocus me. But it, it shouldn't stop there. Our singing ministry on Sunday should be tuning our heart to Jesus so that when we leave here on Monday, we get to work on time. And we have a good attitude at work. And we have a good attitude towards all the people that we come in contact with. And guess what? When we do that because it's the Lord, that's worship. When you, when you submit to authority... Because of the Lord, it's worship. You're doing it because God asked you to. Not when the authority tells you to sin. We obey God over all authority. He's the ultimate authority. But most of the time, it's just our bad attitude and our selfishness and our pride. He's like, don't let those things make you who you are. I mean, maybe just go back the last six months and look at all of your Facebook or Instagram posts and go, is that what a missionary would post? Right? Maybe you just think about the things in your life and you just go, is that? And then, and then don't, don't, don't wallow there and beat yourself up. Just cut it off. Go, I can't go back in the past. Now think about this week. What will it look like to be a missionary, to be a worshiper this week? And guess what? Right now, let's start that process. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.